Yeah, remember that. Bad company corrupts good morals. Corrupts good character. Thank you for your good singing and uh, Adam, I uh, really appreciate the announcements and I don't know if anybody's ever going to be able to top that. Uh-huh. Um, that's pretty amazing. I can't, no, I can't do that. <laughs> Superman outfit. Every- the cake <laughs> there you go. Borrow the cape. Fantastic. Yeah, good. Appreciate y'all being here even on a uh, rainy day. It's uh, good to see you. It's good to have you here. And um, it's, it's wonderful to spend that few minutes uh, singing and worshiping God in that way. And uh, it's a wonderful thing. We'll talk about that a little bit, a little bit later. This morning we're starting a new series entitled Accept Your Assignment. Accept Your Assignment. And uh, the title of the message is Kiss Your Job Goodbye. And um, interesting. We'll get there. I'll explain. I promise. So whether you're a student, a stay-at-home mom, retired, just beginning, or in the middle of a workplace career, this series is to help you accept your God-given assignment. Do you remember back in the day when uh, you were a little kid, like three, four, five, six, eighteen? People would ask you, "What are you going to be when you grow up?" Like 30, 35, 45. What are you going to be when you grow up? 60. <laughs> yeah. So many dreams, so many thoughts, so many ideas we had when we were kids. <coughs> Didn't really end up exactly the way I had thought. How many of you are doing exactly what you had envisioned when you were 10 years old? Anybody? Yeah, me either. But what you're doing in life right now is your assignment. Have you fully accepted your assignment? What does the Bible have to say about our work? So we're going to kind of do just a brief, like, few minutes, just kind of diving into God's Word, uh, looking at what, what He says from the very beginning to the very end about what He says about work. We kind of worked on it a little bit this morning in our, our small groups, um, but I want us to just kind of go beginning to end real quick and um, find some Bible verses that talk uh, directly about work and what, what it means uh, in, in God's eyes. Before we do that, let's look to God in a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for being our God, for taking such great care of us, for sending your son to die on the cross for us, to pay that price for a bunch of, of us who are no better than Barabbas. God, we thank you for the penalty that you paid, the price that you paid, the redemption that you uh, offered up so that we could have hope of heaven, uh, so that we could be part of you and, and belong to a congregation of believing uh, Christians who, who are trying to serve you the best of their ability. God, thank you for uh, this morning. Thank you for the time we're allowed to spend together. God, give us the strength to look at our assignment, to uh, look at what you've given us and, and take that on, to fully accept it. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Who can quote it for me? In the what? In the beginning, God. What did God do? Created the heavens and the earth. From the very beginning, if we put this filter on, okay, let's look for work in the, in the, in the scripture. When we, when we want to accept our assignment, we're going to look at this work in the, in the scripture. Very early on, we see God already working. God's first role is God as worker. 
God's first role is God as worker. God, in his wisdom, starts the book with him as a worker. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think it should have started some, somewhere differently? Maybe, maybe God on his throne with a bunch of angels flying around worshiping him or something? No. God started at work. Now jump down to chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. His what? Finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. We talked about that day of rest last week. Why is this so awesome? Because God is working for us. He's putting all of these things together for our enjoyment. So how do we fit in? Go back to chapter 1 and verse 26. Look at it. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. We had a job. Given a job right there. Genesis chapter 1. Now, Genesis chapter 2, look at verse 15. It says, The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to what? To sit in his hammock? Uh-uh. It said to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you will surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for a man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is just right for him. Why would God need a helper if, or why would Adam need a helper if he was just laying around in a hammock all day? I will make him a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock and all the birds and all the sky, all birds of all the sky and all the wild animals. Even in perfection, even in Eden, we were created to work. We were given positions and jobs to get accomplished. From the very beginning, we were created to work. We were created to work with God and for God. We were made in the image of a working God. We will never make it to a place in our lives where we will just sit back and and relax and do nothing and everyone will serve us. We were made to work. In an absolutely perfect world of Eden, you should never have to get out of your hammock from underneath the tree. Right? God should send some birds over to drop off some berries every now and then. And, uh, and I'll send a cow to walk by and jump up on the barbecue. And all you have to do is just reach out and grab a rib or two every now and then. That's not the way it was. It's not the way God designed perfection. He always intended for us to work. We were made to work. We have the DNA of a working God. Especially us guys. We have this desire to work. We gain great confidence and self-esteem from our work. And in some cases, become workaholics. It's because that's the way we were created. We were created to work. The opposite also is also true. As a guy, especially if you aren't working, your confidence, your ability to focus on the important things of life may be short-circuited. Because you aren't fulfilling that God-given role. It's hard to be unemployed because it's where our self-worth comes from. It's hardwired into the fiber of who we are. We were made to work. So we see page one and page two, we find a working God and and God creating us to work. Stay-at-home moms, those who are retired, students, and even unemployed. God has given each and every one of us an assignment. It doesn't matter if you're getting paid or not. Adam and Eve weren't getting paid, right? They were put there in the garden to tend the garden, to take care of it. They were created to work. 
So I titled this message, Kiss Your Job Goodbye. Kiss it goodbye. I hope by the end of this series we can realize that we are actually jobless. And I hope we leave all of our jobs behind and realize that God has given us an assignment. Never in my life will I ever take another job. But I look forward to every single morning getting back to the assignment that God has given me. Even heaven will be a place of work. Where do we get this idea that we don't have to work once we get to heaven? I think it's a Tom and Jerry. Tom always is um, chasing Jerry around and trying to, you know, annihilate Jerry. And Jerry's much smarter and wiser mouse than he he ends up and always puts Tom in heaven, right? So what's the image that you see when Tom gets to heaven? He's lounging on a cloud, playing, strumming on a harp, right? That's, that's the image we get. I think we get our image of heaven from, from cartoons at some, some t- in some cases. Kind of bums me out. The other place we get our idea of heaven is, is from Sunday school. And I'm, I'm not knocking Sunday school. It was Sunday school back in the day. Our Sunday school is nothing like this. Um, we get our idea of, of what Sunday school's like from, I mean, of what heaven's like from Sunday school. Um, they tell us that we're going to be, we're going to be singing for an eternity. It sounds pretty boring if you ask me. Revelation chapter 22, look at verse 3 through 5. No longer will there be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God, the Lamb will be there and His servants who will worship Him. And they will see His face and His name will be written on their foreheads. And they will... There will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. Hmm. Luke chapter 19, uh, verse 17 through 19 says, Well done, the king exclaimed. Remember this, this story where the, the, the servants were given a talent, ten, five, and one? Look at what Jesus tells them. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You have been faithful in a li- the, with the little I entrusted you. So, so you, will be, you will be given a, a hammock and a hymnal. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't. It says you will govern ten cities as your reward. Govern ten cities. Does that sound like an easy task? How many would you take on that task of governing ten cities right now? Would, would you sign up for it? I wouldn't. The next servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made five times the original amount. Well done, the king says. You get to sing with the angels. No, that's not what it says. It says you will govern over five cities. 2 Timothy 2.12 says, If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. The Bible says a lot. About lazy people, about sluggards, and those who refuse to work, their hands, just busy with their mouths. This work we do in heaven will be without the fall. It'll be without stress, it'll be without layoffs, it'll be without the typical struggles we have here. And please don't go away though and say that your, your preacher said that heaven's going to be a bunch of work. That doesn't sound really good. But it says we're going to do things there. Do you ever have one of those days at work when you get done with a day and you just feel really good about what you got accomplished? Just get to the end of the day and you just felt good about work. Everything went according to plan. All the sales went through. All the meetings were successful. Everything just kind of happened that way. Maybe it was a day of school that felt good. 
you just got everything done right and you just were there on time and you just got, got everything done the way you needed. Take that day's goodness and just multiply it times 1,000. That's what heaven's going to be like. We were made to work from beginning to end. It's going to be amazing. If we're people that were created to work from beginning to end, why is work such a struggle? It's because of what happened on page three. I mentioned a little while ago, the fall. There was this tree that they were not to eat of, and guess what? Man chose sin. Why did God allow it? We get this question a lot. Why does God allow sin? My only rationale is this. God desired love. He wanted to be love. He wanted us to love. Love is a choice. And if God created a choice to love, he also had to create a choice to unlove. If he created us to do good, there also has to be a choice to do evil. If God created us to serve selflessly, then there has to be a choice to be selfish. If God created us to follow him, then there has to be a choice not to follow. Why is there so much hurt, pain, and loss? Because we're caught up in our, some of our own selfish choices to unlove. Oftentimes in someone else's selfish choice to unlove. For those who choose to love, let me tell you, it's well worth it. Because of the fall, work will be tough. There will be stress. There will going to be chaos. And it will be hard. From the very beginning, we were created to work. To the very end, we were created to work. Huh. Isn't that encouraging? It really is, because there's a lot of good that comes from what we get accomplished and, what, and the work that we do. We're just going to kind of switch gears, though. So how do we do what we were made to do? How do we do this? How do we, how do we get this accomplished? Real quick, we're just going to share a few things on how we get this accomplished. We need to work like God assigned you your job. You know what? Because he did. Don't be bitter at God. He gave you your job, your assignment, your place, wherever you are, wherever you find yourself, that's where God wants you to be. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17 says, Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay out for all the churches. Paul's telling the Corinthian church, Hey, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, don't change what you're doing. Just start serving me right there where you are. Work where you are. Don't quit your job just because you want to get to know God. God put you where you are on purpose. He wants you to serve him right where you are. Work like God assigned you your job because that's what he did. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 20. It says each person should remain in the situation that they were in when God called them. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although you can gain your freedom, do so. If you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who is free when called in, in Christ is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do, beca- do not become slaves of human beings. Brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God should remain in the situation they were when God called them. So wait a second. You're telling me that God wants me, wants me to work right where I am, doing what I'm doing? Preacher, you haven't been at my work. The extremely dark hallways and cubicles, not because of the bad fluorescent lights, but spiritually, it's dark there. Do you realize how crazy these people are that I have to work with? Do you really think that God wants me to be there? I'd probably respond with something like, it sounds like a good place to send a a missionary. 
you'd like look back at me and probably say something like, well, it's, it, it, it probably is. Do you think that, that God will send a missionary to my workplace? I'm probably going to say something like, um, I think he has. Here in this church, we have a lot of water treatment people. What is God doing in the water treatment industry in this area? There must be a real need for God in the water treatment line of work. I'm not sure what the deal is, but there's a lot. A few teachers here and there, but there's a lot of water treatment people. We need to work like God assigned you to your job because he did. That's where he assigned you. Number two, work like you're on a mission because you are. Look at the missionary mindset. Not about Brandon and Rachel who are down in Mexico cleaning up after a hurricane. Not about Andrew Green who took his family to Russia. Not about Carlos Perez who is dealing with devastation from Irma and, and Maria. Not about Paul and Marilyn Douglas who devoted much of their lives to the mission in Sudan. This is about you. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you find to do, you're a representative of Jesus Christ, an ambassador. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 22 says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only with, when their eye is on you to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Well, you say, well, we don't we really have slaves in America anymore. I'd be willing to bet that there's many of us who feel like we are slaves at work. Some of you work for tyrants. Some of you who are stay-at-home moms... There happens to be this three-year-old dictator that lives there. The whole house knows it. Everyone exists to serve them. This little booger runs the show. And it's our job to break him of that selfishness, him or her. In my case, say him. It's a real missionary field. No joke. It's a missionary field. Whatever you are doing, work like it's a mission because it is. What if tomorrow morning you hear this little whisper laying in bed few minutes before alarm goes off. How many of you guys wake up like, like a five or six minutes before your alarm goes off? Does anybody do that? Oh, I hate that. It drives me nuts. But anyway, so you're, you're sleeping there and you're, you're in this nice, cozy, deep sleep and you hear this whisper. Psst, wake up. It's God. Oh, it's him. He's, he's talking to me. Oh, cool. This is going to be great. I have a special assignment for you. It's the same thing you did last week, only this week, I want you to do it better. Oh, man. I, I hated last week. Well, God's like, yeah, that's the point. That's the, that's the problem. Wherever you do, wherever you are, that's where he wants you to be. And he wants to go with you. I love dropping my kids off at a public elementary school where the culture is God-centered. The principles from God's word are being taught, not because the state says it's okay, but because there are one or two who aren't afraid to live out their faith and love kids the way God wants them to. God wants them to. They've changed the entire culture of the school to be God-centered without ever mentioning his name. It's a covert operation, right? They were sent in as, as agents, getting the attention of the entire district. 
There's an AP psychology class at a local high school where God has a voice in the classroom. Not because the preacher's allowed to go and be a guest speaker, but because there's a young lady who's not afraid to speak up when God pops into her head. There's a tree trimming company who's experienced some incredible miracles lately. Not because the elders of the church are, are gathering together and praying over this company, but because one man, the one-man ground crew isn't afraid to bring up God in almost every conversation. There's a woman who last week was scared to the point of death, death of her unborn child, who is now experiencing the peace of an almighty God because a lady in our church was on mission and volunteered to take a shift at Birthline. We could go on and on. God has put you where you are on purpose and where you are is your mission field. I'd like to bring each and every one of you up here in front and um, talk about where you're at and where we're going to send you on mission and, and pray with you and pray for you. Send you off to the mission's field where each and every one of you go. You don't have a boss. You have a God. You don't have a professor, a teacher. You have a God. You don't have a toddler. You have a God. You don't have a spouse. You have a God. Work like you're on mission because you are. Work like it's your, it's your worship because it, it should be. Many of us think that worship, and we talked about singing just a little while ago. Uh, many of you think that we, we think that worship is only the singing part during our, our morning service. Worship is singing, but that's not, that's not all worship is. If we had to, had to define worship, I think I would define it as really just our response to an amazing God. So I got out my calculator and I figured out how much time we, in our lives we actually spend singing, right? We spend this 15 or 20 minutes on Sunday morning singing. And um, there's 168 hours in the week. So you subtract out um, eight hours. Some of us get more. Some of us get less. Subtract out eight hours a night. So we're left with 112 hours that we could be possibly worshiping, singing to God. We, we do it for about 15, 20 minutes on a Sunday morning. It equates out to 0.3% of our awake life. Less than one-third of a percent of our lives are actually singing. So is that our worship? No. On the other hand, the amount of time we spend at work on average is about 65% of our week. Some more, some less. We talk about honoring God, being a follower of Jesus Christ, living out our faith. I want you to realize that 65% of your grade comes from your work. That's your worship. You have a preacher, I sing in my car. Well, for the half of you that actually sing along with godly music in their car, because I know most of you are you know, Bon Jovi fans and Shania Twain and George Strait, and maybe there's even some rappers out there. But even if you do spend an extra little bit of time, so it's a 1.3% instead of just the 0.3%. 65% of our response to God is at work. It's part of our worship. And number four, I stole this quote, but I don't even know where I stole it from, but somebody should get credit for it. Don't commute between your spiritual life and your work life. 
don't commute between your spiritual life and your work life. We come to church on the weekends and then during the week we go back to work. We can't commute between the two. Do you get my point? We can't leave our spiritual life behind when we go back to work. We have to take it with us. We were created to be salt and light. We aren't taking our spiritual life with us to work. We aren't, we aren't carrying out our mission. Everyone around us is lit by us. They see us coming down the dark hallways and into the dark shops and warehouses. Pre- between preparing meals and loads of laundry and the light is shown. During passing periods, as you rush to your next class, smiles and small encouraging words you share with your schoolmates is light and salt. Into the customer's homes, into the boss's office, out onto the sales floor, behind the toilets and the full trash containers, we are the light to the world. It's our work life that brings salt and light. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. It says, In this way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. God says, I want you. Not in here. I want you out there. That's where you get the most good accomplished. This right here, this is just like a charging station. And sometimes it's magnetic and sometimes it's not so much. But it's a magnetic charging station. And we come in here and we're like, and we're stuck. We've got to pull off the charging station to go get our light shown. Do you guys ever, do you have those magnetic chargers that, you know, you stick them on there and it starts charging? It's kind of what Sunday morning service is. We've got to pull away from that in order to shine our light. We can be bright, we can be shiny in here, but it's more important to shine out there. The work of the Church of Loveland is not here on the weekend. The work of the church, our work is all over Loveland, all over Johnstown, Millican, Birth, Windsor, wherever you live, that's where our work begins. Wherever you are, that's where God wants you to get his work done. So this week, it's not taking it home, it's taking it to work. A couple things real quick before we end. Your work matters to God, and it matters to his kingdom. Realize your work matters to God and his kingdom. 1 Peter chapter 4 Verse 8 through 11 says, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal and a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak through God, though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have a gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Boss is always watching. Get busy sharing the light. So many Christians are sitting around wondering, what, 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 what does God want me to do? How does God want me to get plugged in and serve? Paul tells them, it's, get busy with where God has you right now. You are where God wants you. Are you a water treatment guy, an electrician, a ropes guy, a pest controller, a trainer, a teacher, a security guard, a manager, a stay-at-home mom, a student, a nurse? Maybe you're between jobs or retired. Wherever you are, that's where your assignment is. Kiss your job goodbye and accept your assignment. You're a missionary. Every client, every bid, every volunteer hour, every class, teacher or student, every living room, Every number crunched, every poopy diaper, every bed bug infested room, everywhere you are, 
You're being the grace and love of an almighty God to the world. A very dark world, I might add. Find a way to pass on what God has given you. Lose the job, find your assignment, and accept it. One last thing. Attitude is everything. Realize that you are the only light your job may have. You are the only salt they may ever taste. God has made you, us, plan A. And there is no plan B. The church is plan A. I can't get to where you are. You are put there on purpose as an undercover agent. Your mission is clear. You may consider yourself just average. Well, I'm, no, I'm, I'm just a nobody. I'm just, just one of the guys. I'm just one of, the, I'm just one of those, those people. No, you can't see it as that. God has put you where you are on purpose. Start doing what God has always wanted you to do. Kiss the job goodbye. And let, allow God to replace you in the same spot you are, just only as a missionary. And realize that you're the only one qualified to handle it. You're the one put there. You're the one qualified to handle it. And when we get to heaven, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I have a really good job for you. You're going to love this job because I've been watching you. I've been watching how you did that one. God, may we accept our assignment. May we realize that we are plan A. For this messed up world. May we leave our jobs, our classrooms, our laundry rooms, our our sink full of dishes and move right back into them tomorrow morning with a new assignment as your salt, as your light to the place where you have picked specifically for each of us. Help us kiss our jobs goodbye and accept fully our new assignment. Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you so much for giving us Uh, an assignment for choosing each and every one of us no matter our age no matter our our gender no matter who we are god you've chosen us you've picked a place for us to work we thank you for the design that you've created the 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 way you've uh, put us together god please help us to take on this job our job the job you've given us the place you've assigned us with great eagerness god helps to wake up tomorrow morning with with a whole, new, a whole new vigor, a whole new excitement about what you're going to allow us to get accomplished for you this week. God, thank you for uh, this news. And um, thank you for letting us uh, quit our old jobs and start something that has much more purpose. Please be with us now as we go away and continue what we did last week, but this time only better. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.